If we can bridge some of those divides with this core value of compassion, I think it, it makes the community even stronger knit. This is State of Inclusion. I'm Amy Sanders. Welcome. Today, we're talking with Corey Wilcoxon from Lexington, Kentucky. Corey has been instrumental in leading an initiative to help Lexington become a compassionate city and a program they call Lex Give Back. We're excited to talk with him and learn more about what it means to be a compassionate city and how his city gives back. So Corey, thank you for being here with us. It's such a pleasure to have you here to get to know you and to learn more about Lexington, Kentucky. So compassion is a word that we often use, but perhaps we don't all share the same definition. Can you help us a little bit with that? What does compassion mean to you? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Amy. I really appreciate uh, being on the podcast with you and having a chance to talk about Lex Give Back and Compassionate Lexington. So when I think of the word compassion, I'm a word nerd a little bit. And so I love to dig into the sort of the origins of words and to, to sort of learn their roots. I'm a word nerd too. Yeah. And so compassion is a fascinating word to dig into because you're right. It has so many different meanings in our culture. But if you dig into the roots of it, it means to suffer with. So passion is suffer, like the passion of Christ, and calm is with. So compassion is not, it's not having pity, which I think is a lot of the ways it's used in our culture today, but it really means to suffer with someone. So to be compassionate towards someone means to enter into their suffering with them. So you're bearing their burdens with them, but, but it's for the purpose of transformation. So you enter into their suffering with them in order to share their burdens, to help transform their experience from one of suffering to one of, of joy, of hope, of healing, whatever comes out of that. But that, you know, that's a lot different um, than writing a check or just serving, you know, once a month at a food kitchen or something. It really means being willing to sacrifice some of your own security and comfort to enter into somebody else's suffering. That's why I think compassion is such a such a strong word and important word because we we tend to be so so siloed or we tend to to sort of build barriers or around ourselves to insulate us from the suffering of others whereas being compassionate encourages us and, and calls us to enter into that suffering. Corey, I get that you're a minister. Yes. And compassion and giving back, I mean, that makes a lot of sense for you. They're perhaps even expected. I mean, I won't yeah. say part of the job description, but <laughs> no, it is very much part of the, job description. the question I've been dying to ask you is, how did you get a whole community to go along with you on this? I mean, that's a good question, and I don't even know if I can fully answer it because that's one of the, the, the amazing things about this program was we decided to do it, but we had no idea how it was going to actually work. We were doing it as part of a Leadership Lexington program, and one of the things that they required for this project was that we show how the program was successful. And one of the things we quickly learned with Lex Give Back was we're not going to have measurable outcomes, right? Because no one's going to report back to us and say, hey, look, I was compassionate on Tuesday from three to four. You know, it's, it's compassion, such a, it, it's, it's such an unmeasurable quality. And so what we did was we just publicized the heck out of Lex Give Back and tried to get people just to sign up to say they would participate. And then we just sort of, in spiritual terms, let the spirit do its work. And so it was very much like casting seeds to the wind 
and trusting the wind's going to carry them somewhere where they will take root and blossom. Here's why I think it was successful. We didn't have numbers, but we had stories. We had stories of people who had lived out their compassion or people who'd been the recipients of their compassion. And I really think, Amy, to get at your question, one of the things we learned, and one of the things that I believe is true of, of everybody, is we have the capacity for compassion within us, but we don't always have an avenue to live it out. Right here in your community of Lexington, there are kids who are going hungry, and there are mothers who are being abused, and there are people who don't have working smoke alarms in their house. You can do something about it. You can live out your compassion right here in Lexington and make a difference for people. And I think that's what really touched people was here's a chance to live that out. And, and a, a, a quick story about how I recognize this, one of the things we did to publicize Let's Give Back was we set up a table at the mall, right? And so we're in the middle of the mall with this table and our banner and we're handing out things. And, you know, Amy, if you ever go to a mall and just sit, it's a fascinating study of the human condition <laughs> because People, when they saw us and when we would make eye contact with them, the first thing they do would be to lower their eyes and walk faster, right? Because the assumption was you're at a mall, somebody's selling something. Exactly. <laughs> right? And so uh, my friend and I, who were doing this together, we realized we had to change our approach. And so we started by saying, hi, we're not selling anything. We're asking people to be compassionate. And when that would get people's attention and we'd start to tell them about Let's Give Back, they would go from sort of being trepidatious or cautious about talking to us to saying, oh my gosh, this is so needed. You know, how can I sign up? What are ways I can participate? So I think once you get past that sort of protective veneer that people put over themselves, because I think our culture today sort of encourages that, that sense of fear or whatever, and you say, hey, look, all I'm asking to do is be kind and help someone else. I think that opens up in people this desire to do that. And so I think we really tapped into something that's in people's DNA to want to help others. And we tried to give them concrete ways to do it. And I think that's why it really gained ground and took off. So you've mentioned that you had some stories. Mm -hmm. Can you share any of those stories with us so we can kind of get a sense of what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So we had made up these postcards that we were sitting out in, in local coffee shops and, and restaurants and those sorts of things. And I had taken a stack of them to to one of my favorite places, which is called Chocolate Holler, uh, which is a hot chocolate place uh, where I go and write my sermons every week. And so I had gone there and I put a stack up by the register and I sat down to start my sermon. And this young family, mom and dad and little girl come in and they're up at the counter ordering and the little girl picks up one of the postcards and is like, mom, what's this? So the mom takes it and turns it over and reads about it. And she says, oh, well, it looks like they're asking people to do nice things for other people. And the daughter's like, oh, I want to do that. What can we do? And so they went and sat down and, and they were at the table next to me. And um, the mom says, well, what do, you, what do you want to do? What can we do next week to be nice to other people? And she said, she thought about it. She said, I want to pick up trash around our neighborhood. And I want to make signs that say, don't litter. And the mom said, that's great. And she said, I want to get my friends to help me too. And so I hope, I don't know, but I hope that that little girl followed through and she made these signs and she got her friends involved and they picked up litter around their neighborhood and sort of beautified their neighborhood. There's a family in church that um, the, it's a mom and daughter who live together and they have uh, several elderly folks that live around them. And so they decided they wanted to make meals for all of them. And so each day of the week, they went to a different neighbor and took a meal to them. 
And one of my personal examples, a couple of them, I, I could go on forever with stories because there's there's just so many ways I think it was amazing. So uh, this year for Let's Give Back, one of the organizations that needed help was the Hope Center. And Hope Center is a homeless shelter. And then they have the Hope Mobile, which delivers sandwiches to homeless people in our area. So I realized no one had signed up to make sandwiches. So on Tuesday, I just posted on Facebook, hey, I'm going to host a sandwich making party on Thursday you know, come at lunchtime, bring sandwich supplies, and let's put together some sandwiches for the Hope Center. And I didn't know if it would be me, maybe me or one or two people. Well, on Thursday at noon, 18 people showed up and we made 700 sandwiches. Wow, that's amazing. And, and that's just from putting the word out on Tuesday. And so I think that speaks to that desire to be compassionate that people have. They just need an invitation and they just need an avenue to live that out. For me to think just by one Facebook post, we made 700 sandwiches and fed people who wouldn't have a chance to eat otherwise, that capacity is there. We just need to find ways to tap into it. One of the questions I had was, how do you change the heart of a city? But what you're saying is the heart is already there. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of giving um, an avenue or tapping into it or giving people the opportunity to express the heart and the compassion that is already inside them. It isn't really mm -hmm. about changing. Maybe, maybe people are changed through the action of doing it or through the action of receiving, but what you're saying is there's a lot of compassion already there in your city and maybe in most cities that it's just a matter of kind of releasing it. Yeah, I would say, yeah, that's a good way releasing. I, I think it may be a word I would use is awakening. Um, you know, it's, That's a good. You know, it's awakening this compassion or it's, it's, I think people have the compassion, but in a lot of cases, it's, it has a layer of fear over it because to be, it's easy to be compassionate for someone who looks like me and who lives near me, but what we're really trying to push and, and, and I really want to make inroads in this in future years is going out and being compassionate in parts of the city that you don't normally go to and with people that you, whom you wouldn't normally associate with. Dude, Lexington is a, it's a, it's a close knit community and we have a strong sense of community, but like a lot of communities, there's, there's a racial divide, there's a socioeconomic divide, but I think compassion is universal. And so it's one of the things that can help us bridge those divides because it goes beyond theology or, or politics or those sorts of things, because I think everyone both has the desire to live out their compassion, but I would argue that everyone also has the need to receive compassion. And so if we can bridge some of those divides with this core value of compassion, I think it makes the community even stronger knits. It's this releasing or awakening of compassion and giving people a conduit to follow that puts them in a place to live it out. Because someone may not choose on their own just to show up at Salvation Army and serve lunch, but if I offer the invitation or let's give back provides them a way to connect with Salvation Army, then they're going to be maybe more likely to go and do that. And another story that, that highlights this for me, the Red Cross in our area has a program called Sound the Alarm. And what it does is it provides free smoke alarms, uh, free fire alarms for people in lower socioeconomic houses who maybe don't have them. Makes sense. So I went, yeah. And I went, it, yeah, at risk. Exactly. And so I went last year um, and I paired up with two young ladies who were African refugees who had come over to uh, Lexington a, a couple of years ago. And so the three of us, I mean, you know, three people that probably wouldn't have been together otherwise, were going to these houses and knocking on the doors and saying, hey, do you have working smoke alarms? Would you like some? 
some of these houses were in houses I would choose to go to by myself if I hadn't been a part of this program. It was a part of the city I don't go to. It was, uh, it was a class of people that I don't normally interact with just because of where I live and where I work. But what it let me do was break down those barriers and those stereotypes that I, that I have and I know I have and to see these people as human beings that have the same joys and challenges and everything else that I do. And so it, it humanized the issue and it helped me see how, again, how grateful they kept saying, you mean these are free? We don't have to pay you for them? I'm like, no, they're free. If you let me put this here on your wall and I'll show you how to test it, they don't need batteries. They can just be there forever. And uh, I, one of the houses we went into was a uh, Hispanic family and the mom didn't speak English at all. So the daughter was translating as we were talking and just being in those situations and recognizing our common humanity, I, I think that's what I feel like Lex Give Back has the, has the potential to do, is to put people in more of those situations where we're relating to people, not as political issues, not as um, you know, socioeconomic or racial stereotypes, but we're relating to them human being to human being. And I, that's when I think our compassion blossoms the most. Wow, that's a great story because it's a, a very practical service. And mm -hmm. then it's really uh, both a kind of a bridging and bonding work that you did together with the families who needed that. So that's yeah. a really good story. And that's a, a simple thing that communities can do. So mm -hmm. let's just kind of break this down a little bit for people who may not know about the Charter for Compassion or Compassionate Cities at all, and who may not completely understand how Lex gives back works from the stories that you've told. So can you talk a minute about the Charter for Compassion and Compassionate Cities, what that is, and if a city wanted to be one, what that would look like? Mm -hmm. So Charter for Compassion came out of a book by Karen Armstrong, uh, and she's written several books, um, spiritual religious books, but this was a book called, I think it's 12 Steps to Compassionate Living, really sort of practical, sort of hands-on kind of book of how you can live that out. And then she gave a TED talk about compassion. And that, I think, really sparked this movement of uh, the creation of the Charter for Compassion and the creation of this whole uh, compassionate cities movement. And as I understand it, it started first with just individuals or families signing the Charter for Compassion. And, and basically, when you do that, you're, you're saying that you're going to be intentional about making compassion a core value for yourself, for your family, those sorts of things. And as it grew, entire communities started to, to look at this and say, well, we, wanna, we want this to define us as a community. And so then you had communities and, and cities signing up, and it really just, it really went viral and grew into this large movement. And we had known several cities around us, Cincinnati and Louisville, that were compassionate cities. And so there was a councilwoman uh, for Lexington who's also a member of my church. And we had talked about this a few years ago and said, you know, we really need to to look into making Lexington a compassionate city and seeing what all's involved in that. And so we talked about it and, and it, it kept being this thing of, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna work on this. So when I was a part of this leadership Lexington class, I pitched the idea as a project, potential project of making Lexington a compassionate city. And that project was chosen by the class to be one of the class projects for us to work on, much to my surprise, because there were a lot of good projects. So that night I called this councilwoman, her name's Susan. I said, Susan, you're not gonna believe this, my leadership Lexington class has chosen my project to make Lexington a compassionate city. And she said, that's great, but I've already had a group working on that and we're almost done. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, great, but then what's going to happen to my project? And so what I found out was they had done some of the legwork to make Lexington a compassionate city, but they didn't have any follow-up. And so that's where 
my group, that's where Let's Give Back came from. But to become a compassionate city, there's not, I mean, it's so almost a self-designation, right? So there's no, no, no test you have to pass or there's no criteria you have to meet that are checked. You just look at the charter of compassion and you really commit to living that out. And so in Lexington, what they did was they took that charter of compassion to the Lexington City Council and had the council vote to adopt it as, as an identity marker for Lexington, that we want to be a compassionate city. So the challenge with that, because it's not, you know, monitored or there, there's not, you know, obstacles you have to pass is really it's up to each city to determine how they're going to live that out. And Susan and I were very passionate about making sure this didn't just become a plaque on the wall. Because it'd be easy to make that vote and put it on your sign when people enter your city, Lexington and Compassionate City, but you're not actually doing anything about it. And so we really wanted to figure out how do we live out this compassion? How do we make sure that it's that it's not just words, but it's deeds? And so that's where the idea of let's give back came from of let's 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 focus that into a week where we're really highlighting the need to be compassionate and then grow it from there. And that's sort of where we are now is we've done let's give back two years. And so now we're 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 creating a 501c3 for Compassionate Lexington, and we're talking about what other events are going to be under there. But Let's Give Back was really the, the genesis of that. And, and what it was, was it was a week, uh, week-long uh, designation. Finding a week is hard to do. Kentucky, you work around a couple other religions, which are basketball and horse racing. And so we said, well, how can we fit this in? And so basically it falls after Easter and before the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> There's usually a couple week period in there. <laughs> so it's the end of April. What we did, my team and I, what we did was we just, uh, we designated that week. And then we just, like I said, publicized it to everyone saying, all we're asking you to do during that week is to commit to do an act of compassion for someone else. It can be as simple as bringing in your neighbor's garbage cans if they've been sick or making a meal. We also provided this on our website uh, we worked with a group called Step Forward Lexington, which is like a match.com for volunteers and organizations that need volunteers. And so if you wanted to participate, you could go to our website, which would link to them. And here's this buffet of things during the week of organizations that need help. And oh, you know, Step by Step needs a volunteer on Tuesday from five to six. I'm available. I'm going to sign up to go do that. So it was just trying to, to connect people to those opportunities and to let them be a part of that. We had a, a kickoff where the mayor designated that week, Let's Give Back Week. So it got publicity through news media, through government, through local restaurants and businesses. And we were really intentional about working with local businesses. So we wanted to promote the, the mom and pop places in Lexington to benefit them. And then they're promoting benefited us. And we've worked really closely with them and continue to work closely with them to try to make this uh, something that really benefits the whole community in, in a variety of different ways. We worked with University of Kentucky. Uh, we worked with um, the school system, trying to, trying to get tapped into all the different ways that people can live out their compassion. Uh, but gosh, there's so much more, Amy, that we can do in those areas. So many places that we just scratch the surface. And so I'm excited in subsequent years of, of trying to get more involved, more people involved from these other spheres of influence that exist in Lexington. I am so impressed with your energy for this. I mean, you're a couple of years into it. I see a lot of passion and energy around this. Let's unpack what you were just talking about. There's several things in there that I really I want to highlight for people who are listening. So okay. one is that the city, and that means the city council mm-hmm. designated their city as a compassionate city. So yeah. it gets to the heart of starting at the top, 
leadership, recognizing this and committing to this. So mm -hmm. that's awesome because I think that most big initiatives, they need that uh, commitment from the top in order to sustain themselves. So that's an important step. I also like the fact, and I've also studied a little bit about the Charter for Compassion and Karen Armstrong. A couple of things that you didn't mention I want to bring out. First, mm -hmm. this is not a religious program. So um, Karen did a lot of studying to find out what are things that unite you know, pretty much all the religions in the world. Mm -hmm. And this do unto others, the golden rule kind of do unto others as you would have others do unto you. It's, um, it's a universal, right. it's a, a universal creed, if you will. And mm -hmm. so it's not one religion. It's not Christianity. It's, it's very interfaith or even non-faith. So mm -hmm. it's something anyone can sign on to because it's not founded in a specific uh, religious belief or doctrine. Right. So I think yeah. that's really important for people to understand. The um, second part is that the, it did go viral, but it had a lot of help. So the TED group was actually so impressed with her talk and her ideas that she won, I think, the TED prize that year, which okay. has given it some seed money and some starting energy, but it's been sustained now for a very long time. The other thing I want to mention and bring out to people is that I love the fact that this came out of a leadership mm -hmm. Lexington program, because what we're talking about here are ingredients that most all cities have. So mm -hmm. obviously cities have some type of leadership group, a council, right. and they probably have someone on their council who would be willing to help sponsor this and bring it forward. The mm -hmm. second thing is most cities have some type of leadership program. And right. I know we do in Greenville, I'm in Greenville, South Carolina, we do, I've been through that. And most of them have projects as part of their leadership program. And right. often those projects are, um, supplements or additional support to some of the nonprofits that exist, which mm -hmm. there's a lot of benefit in that. But I think it's interesting that you guys took on a project that sort of uh, built something and mm -hmm. then figured out how to sustain it over time. So that's really, to me, very exciting as well, that it came out of one of the leadership programs. And what was interesting about that, too, was, like I said, the program or the project I pitched and what we ended up doing were almost two separate things because I pitched doing the work to make Lexington Compassionate City. And once I found out that, the, that they were close to having that done, we had to figure out, well, what was next? And so what was interesting about that, we almost had to start from scratch even more than I thought we would have to, because if we were going to make Lexington Compassionate City, we had all the resources of the Charter for Compassion behind us. But once, once the, the council voted to make Lexington Compassionate City, then it was sort of like, all right, what's next? And so that's when my group, I had 11 other people on my team that there was no mechanism planned or in place to publicize or promote this, this Lexington is a compassionate city. So we built the website, we uh, helped with the social media, we really did everything, I think, to make this public to everyone, and then created from scratch this uh, Let's Give Back week. And so creating it from scratch we ended up the first year having about 650 people sign up to participate, which, you know, starting from zero, we were really happy about, and we've continued to build on that. But, you know, the other thing that was really interesting about this, Amy, which I think goes back to your first question about 
you know, the root of compassion. So I had, you know, 12 people on my team when we were doing this last year as a part of Leadership Lexington. Well, I thought we would be done. I mean, once we finished Let's Give Back Week, I was like, all right, project done. I'm moving on to the next thing, even though I had a lot of passion for it. And I had several people on my team say, no, we want to keep this going. But I had several people who weren't on my team, but who were on other teams in the class come to me and say, we want to be a part of this going forward. And so we've had several people join us either from my class or from the community who learned about it and have said, hey, I want to be a part of this. So there's now, I think, 19 or 20 people on our team who joined it because this was something that was important to them. And what's really interesting about that, and I'm so glad you brought up the, the faith aspect of this, because when I pitched this project, there was a lady in my class who was very interested in being a part of it. And in my pitch, I talked about exactly what you said, which was so great. And that is almost every world religion has some version of the golden rule. Uh, if you're reading the Quran or, you know, uh, Hebrew scriptures, New Testament, what, there's some version of the golden rule in there. And so I pitched that as a way of saying, hey, this isn't just Christian, it's for all faiths. So she came up to me after my project proposal and she said, I'm really interested in being a part of your project. She said, but I'm an atheist. And so I need to know, is this going to be something faith-based? Because if it is, I'm not sure I can participate. And I said to her, can you be compassionate? <laughs> and she said, of course I can. I said, then that's all. I said, I'm not going to push this as a faith-based thing because compassion transcends, like you said, it's not only interfaith, it transcends, you know, no faith at all is we all have that compassion in us. And again, that's, I think that's our DNA. And so I was so excited that she, and she was a fantastic team member. She was great and still involved now. And so the fact that she could get on board with this and see it as something that, that not only includes faith, but transcends faith, I thought was really, really powerful. And I think that's, that's the universal appeal that you talk about is there's really no one that it would be excluded from participating in this. Uh, when I pitch this to, to other groups I go and talk to, I start out by saying, raise your hand if you're not compassionate, you know, and no one's going to raise their hand because everybody has that as a part of who they are. And so it really is universal across all human-made boundaries that we have drawn in our world. So let's say you're talking to another community and you've probably talked to other communities. I have, yeah. What do you tell them if they think this be good for their their city or their community. And I'm going to add to that the fact that I'm guessing everything didn't go perfectly. So there must be some hard things, difficult things, some barriers to get over. So if you wanted to talk with a community and talk to them really practically about mm -hmm. what they need to know or consider before they started something like this, what would you tell them? That's a good question. Yeah, things, any kind of project like this, things aren't going to go smoothly. What I found really hard about this, Amy, which I would not have expected, was the difficulty in getting people to grasp the concept of what we were doing. Because it's not a concrete thing. We weren't asking for money. One of the obstacles we had to overcome was how, you know, what's our elevator speech for something that doesn't have a, a concrete measurable outcome? And so one of the things I would say to another community is to really tailor it to fit your community. What are the needs specific to the community that you're in? Because what, what's a need in Lexington may not be a need somewhere else. And so it would be tapping into those needs. And I think, you know, we were very, we lucked out in that we just stumbled across this website, Step Forward Lexington, which was already creating this buffet of volunteer opportunities. We thought we were going to have to do that ourselves, which would have been, you know, a ton of legwork. 
So I would say look around your community. Are there already places where people are being connected uh, to volunteer opportunities and partner with them. I think what made Let's Give Back so successful was we partnered with a lot of different entities. You know, we wanted to figure out how can we work with you? How can we support your business, your nonprofit? You know, how can we help get your message out along with us? So it's looking for who the partners are in your community. And I really think if, if a community wanted to pursue this, obviously getting local government involved is wonderful, but also who are your social influencers? Who are the people in your community who are already engaged in social justice issues or uh, poverty issues or, or the things that just are natural to that? Who are they and how can you get them involved uh, in something like this? Because it's one of the groups that we did not, th this was a failing on my part, one of the groups we did not tap into well was the faith community. Seems like a natural, right? Who else, you know, certainly the group you'd How want to be in. How did you miss that? Exactly. Well, <laughs> I missed it because I ran out of time. That was a challenge. We just didn't have enough time to get to everybody. But and I, we got some involved, but oh my gosh, that's a great network. And so start with faith communities, start with nonprofit groups, start with the people who are providing social services and bring them together and say, hey, here's a chance where if we participate in this, everybody benefits. We benefit, the people we serve benefit. And so I think it's, it's really starting to tap into that, but it's knowing who those social influencers are and getting them involved. We sat down with our leadership Lexington group as we were planning this. And we said, I said, um, here's what I want us to do. I want on this whiteboard, we're going to all list the different boards we are a part of, you know, the different groups in Lexington we are a part of, because if each of us reaches out to those groups, we can reach a lot of people. And Within our group of 12 people, we listed about 100 different organizations we were a part of. And so I said, great, here's 10 postcards. The next time Junior League meets, take these postcards to them and get them involved. So it really is sort of that, that you know, ripple effect. If, if one person reaches 10 and those 10 reach 10 more, that's how this word gets spread. It's not going to be a big mass marketing campaign. It's not going to be that sort of thing. It really is going to be one person telling another person, hey, I'm involved in this. Do you want to join me to do it? So it really is, I mean, it's truly is a grassroots campaign. That's one of the powers of having it come out of a leadership program mm -hmm. is because when you have those people in a group, you're right, the network connections that they have are super powerful. But it probably could start from any group because mm -hmm. we don't realize the power that we have in our networks across the community and most all of us are part of different networks. So I think that's a really good example to share with the group and a way to assess your resources that you yeah. can tap into. And I think uh, you're right about tapping into a broad base of resources and also another factor that many or another resource that many communities have is something like your Step Forward Lexington. We have one of those in Greenville. And right. so I think a lot of communities have an organization like that that coordinates time for ad hoc volunteers. So that's mm -hmm. really a great uh, thing to bring out as well. So let's just kind of take stock here for a minute. Sure. So do you feel like this has made a shift in your community or is it just a, an event? How are you seeing this uh, affect your community on a broader basis? So we've only done it for two years. And so I think what it's done is I don't know if it has shifted, but what I think it has done is made more explicit the desire 
the, the, the compassion that already exists in Lexington. So our goal wasn't to make Lexington a compassionate community because it already is a compassionate community. I mean, Lexington has its challenges like any city, but I think Lexington does a really good job of trying to care for each other. And so our goal wasn't, and we had to be careful because in pushing this, we weren't saying, hey, Lexington's not compassionate, we're gonna make them compassionate. It was Lexington's already compassionate, but how can we highlight that and make it more intentional? By naming it as a core value, you're, you're bringing it to the surface. Someone may be compassionate already, but if you were to ask them what's important to them, they may not say compassion's important to them. Our goal was to help make that explicit and for people to say, yeah, you know what? This is something that's a part of who we are as Lexington. And so I think it has, that shift has begun. And this is the kind of program that builds momentum year after year after year, right? So it's gonna take a while for it to continue to catch on at the level that I want it to catch on. It'll probably never get to the full level I want it to catch on, but it's, it's something that's gonna build and build and build each year. And so I think as we continue to do that, we're gonna see sort of ripple effects of that in the community. Because one of the goals of Let's Give Back Week was to build relationships between people and organizations that needed help that, that went beyond that week, right? So the idea being, hey, I participated in Sound the Alarm last year. I wanna do that again next year because that was really powerful. And I don't care whether it's during Let's Give Back Week or not, I'm gonna do it because it really meant something to me. And so that's what I think is gonna continue happening. And so the more people hear about this, the more it gets publicized. I mean, we had, you know, billboards and we have a commercial that was produced for us. And that's the other thing, Amy, if you ask people to help with something like this and you're not asking for money, but you're asking for in-kind stuff, they'll throw things at you. I mean, we got, like I said, we got the billboards, we're going to get bus ads. We got the, this production company come out and do this commercial for us. We got all these things because we're not asking them to give up, you know, their, from their bottom line. We're saying, hey, would you give us a couple hours or would you give us this space or would you do this for us? And so I think the more people know about this and the more we keep it in front of them, the more this is going to grow and the bigger impact it's going to continue to have on Lexington moving forward into the future. You're right. Sometimes the just asking people for what you need, they mm -hmm. will give. And I think you're right. If it's not money, it's a lot easier for them. But that's really a powerful, powerful part of your story. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to tell our listeners or give a message to a community that might be considering this? Mm -hmm. Well, I see. I think the challenge for us is what else or what's next? Just one week a year is not enough for us to highlight what it means to be a compassionate community. So we are in the process of incorporating as a 501c3, and then we're going to talk about, all right, what else are we going to do? You know, what, what does Compassionate Lexington look like uh, moving forward from this point? Because it's, not, it's going to be more than just a week. And so we're looking at um, having weekly compassion gatherings where, or I'm sorry, monthly compassion gatherings where we pick a place and, and people come together. Maybe we have a speaker or maybe we have, um, you know, a, a psychologist come and talk or, or maybe we have a social service agency come and talk. So it's trying to figure out how do we keep this in front of people? I mean, we have a, a, a strong social media presence and, and we try to um, highlight that to people. But how, what are ways that we can continue to bring people together? Because this is most successful when you're connecting one human being to another human being. And again, that's, that's not measurable, but it's, it's, it's life-changing. One of the things I would say to a community that was looking to do this is don't get discouraged if, if there aren't measurables to say it was successful. 
you know, we had 650 people sign up to participate our first year, but I would venture to say we had at least double the people participate. They just didn't take the time to go and sign up, you know, or they didn't take the time to go and post on social media. So you're never going to know the full impact uh, that your effort is having but you can trust that it's going to have an impact far beyond what you can imagine. Because I heard from people who went in and participated and did things. They just said, yeah, I didn't take the time to sign up on, on your website or whatever. And that's great. So, and that part of what makes this, you know, part of what makes this both successful, but also frustrating is we don't know what kind of impact we're having. We don't know the full extent of it, but I trust as a person of faith, I trust that the Holy spirit is creating an impact far greater than I could ever measure. So that first year I was really discouraged because we weren't getting the, the, the level of buy-in or response during that week of people posting on social media. Hey, look, I went and did this. And I had to realize people don't want to brag about themselves. You know, they don't want to say, hey, look at me and look at how compassionate I'm being. They just want to go and do it. And so that really helped shift my thinking to recognize, you know what, someone may not, may not tell you that they've been compassionate because that's, that seems self-serving, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to go and do it. And so I think in, in being involved in something like this, it's just trusting that it's going to have an impact far greater than you can ever imagine. So we want to keep doing things like, you know, monthly gatherings. I'm in talks with somebody about doing sort of a a faith to faith festival where we bring all the faiths represented in Lexington together in one place where in, in a lot of communities do these things as well, but Lexington doesn't. And this seems like a natural thing for compassionate Lexington to do. So we're looking for opportunities to partner with things that are already being done or are holes that need to be filled that can make these things happen. And so step by or step forward Lexington, I think is now going to become a part of compassionate Lexington. We're talking about that. There was a project from this year's Leadership Lexington, which was a diversity festival. I want to talk to them about bringing them under the umbrella of Compassionate Lexington. You know, I think I want to, we want to try to grow this in ways that keeps Compassionate Lexington in front of people year round. And so I feel like the opportunities are endless for that. And it's just finding them and figuring out how to make them happen. And so, and how can we can involve more people in it? Because this is so much more than just a one person thing. I had a great team of people who helped with it last year and even more this year. And we want to grow this team so that it's, it's, you know, it has more people power behind it and more influence behind it. So the more people you can get involved in it, the better. And we, we want to continue to grow that. Well, those are great ideas to extend Compassionate Lexington. You've talked a lot about how this has engaged people in the city and how mm -hmm. you, you told some stories about people that you knew were engaged in things and you mentioned one of your own stories. So we've talked about impact on the city, but mm -hmm. how has this impacted you or changed you in going through this? Yeah, more than I think I ever imagined, really. Uh, what, it, what it has uh, done for me, it has shown me uh, the passion I have for this that this was more than just a project to complete a requirement for the class. It's really, you know, I said, if I could have my dream job, it would be like chief compassion officer for Lexington. You know, how can, <laughs> how can I make this something that I'm, you know, and I say I'm working on full time as a minister, I'm kind of working in an area of compassion anyway. So it sort of takes my, my, my full-time job and the, the sense of call I have here at Crestwood and it merges it with this, this love and investment I have for the city of Lexington, because I really, I really want to have a positive impact on my community and help other people have a positive impact on my community. 
So through Leadership Lexington and through Lex Give Back, it's really helped me invest more in my community, which is, has residual effects for my church work as well. And we've had you know, Leadership Lexington people come and join our church and become a part of that. And the church is out in the community doing more things. And so I think what it's really done for me is it's just shown me, here's an opportunity to really make a positive, tangible difference for the community of Lexington that is really a pretty easy sell. You know, it's, it's sure it's a lot of work getting the word out there, but it's stuff people want to do. And so I love my job, but I, I also love my community. And I want to know how can I impact the community in positive ways that take my calling here as a minister and extend it out? And how can I help Crestwood? So the residual effect is Crestwood, my church has now become more involved in the community because they're more aware of the needs that are out there. So I really feel like that this is sort of a, it's bringing together these aspects of my life that are important to me. And there's this synergy that's been created through that, through my church work and community work and, and relationships I've built and those sorts of things. And so it's really, I think, uh, ignited in me a, a passion to continue this work and to continue to help make Lexington a better city through the work I'm doing with my church, but also the work that I'm doing with these wonderful folks in the community that I've had a chance to partner with through this project. Wow. And I want to tell you that your passion comes across. And I also want to thank you for sharing some of that passion with our listeners, because I think this is a great opportunity for any community. You've given some insight into what it would take to make it happen, how it works, and what is challenging, but also many of the benefits around it. So thank you for sharing that with uh, State of Inclusion podcast. It was really such a pleasure to talk with you today. And I wish you the best of luck in increasing the work with Compassion Lexington. I also have to say, I've noticed that Kentucky has a thing going on because there's Compassionate Lexington, there's Compassionate Louisville, and there's Compassionate Linden. So you guys may be, end up being the first Compassionate State. Who knows? <laughs> We're working on it. There, there, we, have some, we would have some hurdles to overcome, but the more we can do this, the more we can spread combat, compassion across, uh, across the bluegrass, I think the better it makes us as a state uh, and as people. So it's been a real honor to talk with you. Thanks for your interest in it. And our website, let'sgiveback.org, if anybody wants to go there and learn more about it or has questions, they want to contact me directly through that website, I would be glad to answer questions. Compassionate Lex is the, at gmail.com is the email. I'm glad to talk to anybody about this. This is, we don't own this. This is something that we are called to be stewards of and to share with others. So I'm glad to help anybody else do this kind of work in their own community. Thank you again, Corey. And I'll include those links and that information in the show notes for the podcast today. So thank you great. for that. Thanks, Amy. It's been great to be with you. I've really enjoyed it. It was great to meet Corey and learn a little bit more about Lexington, Kentucky. You know, this work of building more equitable and inclusive communities is not easy. Communities that cultivate a culture that bridges across stereotypes and divides and communities that give people the opportunity to bond around shared values and purpose. These are the communities that will be better equipped to deal with even more difficult challenges, and they'll do it together. This has been State of Inclusion. Join us again next time. Hey, and if you enjoyed this episode, the best compliment for our work is your willingness to share these ideas with others. Thanks so much.